the same hospital that he had died in. And all I could think was like my, at home, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Am I going to see him again? Like, is this it? Like, did I chuck myself into this hospital to never leave? Welcome to Simply Woke, a podcast about awakening experiences. These are the transformative events that connect us to our spiritual selves and personal truths. I'm Alessandra Johnston, and each week I speak with a different guest about how they woke up, what happened, what they learned, and how it shifted their life. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hello, my woken up friends. This is Alessandra, your host. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. This episode is a bit different in the sense that my guest, Meg Brunson, didn't have a full-blown spiritual experience, but she did have a life-altering one where she recognized a new truth for herself. Meg is a mama of four girls, and she works at home as an entrepreneur. She also has a podcast called Familypreneur, which is about parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. I was able to relate to some of Meg's story because both of our fathers are entrepreneurs, and we actually spoke for quite a while after our interview ended. In our conversation, we spoke about how she unfortunately lost her father when she was a child, and how that obviously affected her, about her sudden, almost fatal illness while she was pregnant with her third child, and what shifted for her after that experience. We also talk about how she's just starting to learn about intuition and spirituality and how she's just starting to see things a little bit differently. However, she is still a bit skeptical about the whole thing, but as slowly a new reality is starting to reveal itself to her. And before we jump in, I'd like to extend an invitation to you that if you have a story of awakening that you'd like to share on the podcast, then please connect with me at hello at simplywoke.com because I'd love to hear your story. And if you're enjoying Simply Woke, then please take a minute to reach out and message me. I love getting messages from you guys. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. So here is Episode 6 with Meg Brunson. Thank you, Meg, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Me too. I can't wait. So I was just kind of wondering about uh, yourself as a child and particularly being a child of an entrepreneur. Sure. So my, it's funny, when I was little, I never would have really considered my dad an entrepreneur. And I don't think I even made the connection until semi-recently, within the past couple of years. He, he managed a movie theater. So growing up, he didn't own it. So, I mean, maybe he wasn't entrepreneurial in that sense. He wasn't a business owner, but he was the manager of the theater. He was, in my eyes, there was no difference from what he did in owning the theater because he was the boss and my family didn't have a ton of money. So on school holidays and summer breaks and things like that, we didn't go to a sitter. We went to work with my dad and we sat in his office And this was, I'm going to date myself, but this was back in the day. Remember the printer paper was like accordion style and there were like little holes on the side that you ripped off and it was all like perforated. Yes, I really remember those. He had that paper. I don't even know what it's called, but it was that paper in his office. And so we would, I remember coloring pictures and ripping the edges off and trying not to rip the paper. And 
we'd sneak up into the projection room upstairs where we could watch movies from the windows, sometimes movies we probably shouldn't have been watching, and all this cool stuff. We had a great childhood being raised in that environment. And then when he lost his job, here's where it really turned entrepreneurial. He actually had collected all of these movie posters. So they'd get, you know, posters of the movie theater and then he'd get to take them all home. And he ended up having, gosh, probably hundreds, if not thousands of these movie posters. My basement, our basement was full of them, rolled up or put onto like cardboard backings inside bags. And he actually opened a store, a small store in our local mall and sold off his poster collection. That's and amazing. Some of, them, some of them were inexpensive, but some of them, because of, you know, the date of the poster, you know, like an old Gone with the Wind original poster. Right. Like there are collectors. I mean, for me, it's like I'm not spending more than $3 on a poster, but there were people who collected those. So he ran a store in the mall and sold them. And again, we'd go with him to work and we'd be in the back of the store. And even to this day, when I, I don't live in that, in that town anymore, but going back to the mall, I know exactly where his store was. And there's still something like sentimental about that, like wing of the mall. It's funny, like reflecting back on my childhood, I saw that, but my dad actually passed away just before I turned 12. So, I mean, this was all very early in my childhood. Yes. Was his death sudden or was he sick? So he was sick, but it was also sudden. <laughs> so yes to both. He, again, I was, I was 11. I was, he died two days before I turned 12. And it was probably a month, maybe two months prior to his death that he, he started to get sick. And, you know, being 11, I only knew as much as I, I could pick up, but I, I could tell he wasn't eating right. He wasn't sleeping enough those kinds of things. He had gone to the doctors a few times and nobody could really figure out what was wrong until I remember coming home from school one day and being sat down and being told that he had cancer. And at 11, and my sister was, gosh, here we go. I'm trying to figure out math. I want to say she was 10 because she's 18 months younger than I am. So I think at that time of the year, (laughs) we were only a year apart. And knowing the basics of what that meant, but not really knowing. Mm -hmm. And now in hindsight, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which even today doesn't have, uh, what are the words? I'm sorry. A high, a high, um, it's a high, has a very high death rate. Right. (laughs) I Um, I remember being in biology in high school and my biology teacher didn't, didn't know anything. And we talked about cancer and I asked about pancreatic cancer. And again, he didn't know anything. And he just said, oh, that's a death wish. Mm. And like, he didn't know. Oh, he and didn't was, know. Oh, so no. that must have been like a blow. It was like, oh, like he had no, my dad had no shot. And it, he was in the hospital for just a couple of weeks before things just went south. And it was tough. We had planned, my birthday was on a Saturday that year. And we had planned a birthday party at the hospital because, you know, I wanted to be with my dad. And Thursday, two days before my birthday, we got the call that he didn't make it. And so it was just, it was tough, you know, that was like a blow. (laughs) And it shook up a lot of things. Like it shook up 
my whole family. I mean, it shook up my birthday for the rest of my life. It shook up a ton of stuff. You got very sick with your third Third. pregnancy. Mm -hmm. What happened? Oh, so it was my third pregnancy. I was 29 and things were just not right. And I don't know how else, like, I didn't know how else to explain it, except they weren't right. My whole body was sore. I was weak, like beyond normal pregnancy week. This was my third baby. I tried justifying it saying, you know, well, I am heavier. Like I didn't fully unload baby weight from number one or number two. So I'm heavier. I'm older. I tried justifying where these pains were coming from, but I couldn't justify them away. And my doctor couldn't explain them. And finally, I, he sent me for blood work that revealed that my potassium was low. And I feel like that's one of those super weird things. Like most people don't even understand how serious that is. You know, I get a lot of eat a banana. <laughs> no, that's not the problem. So basically, long story short, because this could be a whole episode in itself. I have this really weird genetic condition that when my progesterone increases, my kidneys fail. My kidneys were wasting all of the electrolytes, potassium, magnesium, calcium, and they weren't being absorbed by my body, which was caused all my muscles to just start breaking down because they need... They wasn't getting any nutrients. Right. So like the pain and the cramping I was getting in my arms and my legs was my muscles breaking down. Dying. Right. And your muscle, your, the biggest muscle in your body is your heart. So once they realized what was happening, um, I had to be transferred to a cardiac unit because they couldn't, they couldn't keep me even at, I was 27 weeks pregnant. So initially they threw me into labor and delivery because that's what they do when you pass a certain point in pregnancy. They said, your potassium is super low. We got to get it up. So they brought me into the ER initially and gave me some IVs of potassium, but my body was rejecting it. So my, my levels were not going up and um, they realized they had to sign me into the hospital. (laughs) Yeah. They, they were like, we got to keep you. Like we can't send you home with low potassium. We got to keep you here. So because I was over a certain point in my pregnancy, I know I was, I was 27 weeks at that point, or maybe I was 29, somewhere around there. So they sent me to labor and delivery because once you're at that age where the baby could survive if the baby's born, you go to labor and delivery for anything. So they checked me in and the doctor almost immediately was like, oh no, she can't stay here. Like she, with her heart and I mean, my heart wasn't like failing at this point, but with my heart having so much stress because of the lack of nutrients and electrolytes, I had to be on 24 seven heart monitoring. How did you deal with the fear? And that's, I feel like that was the moment, like that's where it hit me. Like when I went to the ER, I thought they're just going to give me a pill or a shot. My levels will go back. Kind of like when you're anemic, they they give you a shot, right? They give you some pills. You go home and you're fine. I didn't even bring my charger for my computer when I went to the ER because I was like, I'm not going to be, what I'm not going to be here for more than a few hours. They'll give me a pill. I'll go home. And it was probably 11 o'clock that I was sitting in that room hearing the doctor out there going, she can't stay here. Like, we need to transfer her to the cardiac unit. Like, she needs this monitoring. She needs this. She needs that. Her body's rejecting the treatment. They could, they, at this point, they didn't know why. They didn't know at this point. It was a genetic condition. So this was like an episode of House. 
Okay. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. But how are you feeling like as, because my, I'm not an anxious person, but when I was pregnant, I was very anxious because I was constantly worried about my baby. And so how did you deal with your own health? And then of course you're worried about your own baby. What stands out the most now was the concern I had actually for my, my two daughters at home. So not saying I wasn't concerned about the baby I was carrying. I don't want to make it seem like I'm a cold person that way. But I sat in that hospital room and immediately was like brought back to being 11 years old and in a hospital room with my dad. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the same exact hospital, obviously not the same like room or anything, but <laughs> the same hospital that he had died in. And all I could think was like my at home, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Am I going to see him again? Like, is this it? Like, did I check yeah. myself into this hospital to never leave? Like, like that's what was. So I feel like I almost for a while, at least wasn't concerned about the, the baby I was carrying. No, I understand that you, but were it was like, your, I have these two, two kids and I was one of those kids. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I lost my dad. I know what that's like. I know what it's like growing up without a parent. And I can't imagine anything I want less for my kids. Of course. And so that's, that's all I could think about in that, that moment. Then, of course, I mean, the other concerns came, to, came later. But it was this feeling of, I, I'm not ready. Like, this is not my time. I cannot leave my kids without a mother. And I haven't left the impact that I want to leave on their lives. You know, like if I die today, will they have the memories with them that I believe they need to grow up with? Because that's one of the things with my dad. I feel like I don't have as many pictures of him that I wish I had. You know, like maybe they didn't have smartphones. (laughs) Right. Like my favorite picture of him was the day I was born, which was 12 years before he died. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have great pictures of him and I together. And I'm sure there are some, a lot of them were also destroyed in a fire at my mom's house, but, but that's kind of the point. Like we don't have those pictures. So it, that experience shook everything. It changed the way that I try to be present in their lives and pictures and you know, we've talked a little bit about like entrepreneurship and employment. And that was like a pivotal moment. I was on maternity leave at that point. I had gotten pulled from work when I was 22 weeks pregnant because of my medical issues. So I had like this extended maternity, you know, pregnancy leave. But it it wasn't long before I told my husband, I'm done. Like I am not going back to that job. And it was nothing wrong with that job. But it's like, I just realized how temporary our lives are and how unpredictable that is. And I cannot spend, I refuse to spend 40 hours plus commute time (laughs) away from my kids when I don't believe I have to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did you receive any spiritual insights from that experience? I feel like it wasn't even until much later that I've become more open to receiving some of that 
energy and thing. And I, I, I believe that I didn't because I wasn't really open to it because I didn't really buy into it. I don't know that I would have recognized anything that came to me at that point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned that you now feel that your illness was as scary as it was. It was a sign. Right. And what do yeah. you believe that lesson or sign was? I believe it was the universe's way of telling me to pay attention to what was important. You know, and we've, I came from, I never knew we had like money problems as a child, but I mean, I came from the low middle class ish and I never really climbed out of that classification. Like, I I don't know exactly where those lines are drawn, but we were always that like paycheck to paycheck kind of family. I was always working, trying to work overtime, you know, trying to make a couple extra bucks. Like if I can make $10 here or there, I could use $10. We were chasing the money, I think. And not that money's not important because you need it, but it was that awakening to the fact that I didn't, like when I was a kid, our financial situation didn't change anything about the way I felt about my parents. And Our financial situation now changes nothing about the way my kids feel about me. And in that moment of that illness, money was the least of my concerns. You know, like I didn't even care how I was going to pay those medical bills. I I literally didn't care. And I'm sure that (laughs) somewhere, you know, my accountant is like, well, you definitely need to care about that. But in that moment, it was like the money doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if my credit score never sees 600. What matters is my my kids need a mom. Right. If my kids are happy every day and they're being raised by two parents, I don't care if I'm never approved for another car loan or a home. Like that stuff doesn't matter. And I think that it took, it took that experience to like slap me across the face and make me realize it because I think reflecting on my dad's death, I can see it, but it had gotten lost and I was pursuing the paycheck instead of pursuing the quality of life. And now, I mean, I still need, we need money to pay our rent and we would like to improve our standard of living. Like those are all like goals that we have. But they don't trump the the desire to just be present with our kids. I did, admittedly, go back to a full-time job two or three years after that situation. And it was pretty, pretty quickly apparent that like, no, 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 this doesn't fit. Like it doesn't align. You know it doesn't align, despite how cool this job is. Like it just doesn't align. And this is the job at Facebook? Yeah. I was offered a job at Facebook and that just sounds like the coolest place to work. Like, I kind of don't care who you are. If Facebook called you and said, do you want a job? You're going to be like, yeah, like that'd be awesome. So, (laughs) so I took it and I thought, you know, I think I'm probably over this trauma, my medical issues. Like it's been a few years. I'm healthy now. I think I'm over it. So I went back to work full time, but I still want to be the room mom. I still want to go on the field trips. Uh, My kids have, a couple of them have some developmental delays. So it's like, I need to be at those IEP meetings. I know my husband is fully capable of going, 
but it is important to me that I be there. Yeah. Your heart is telling you something else. Right. So I went back. I'm glad I did because again, it was an experience. It, it taught me something more about myself and that that's not me anymore. A 40 hour a week job, punching a clock, trying to balance your paid time off like a checkbook so that you can optimize every minute you have away from that job. That's not the way that I'm meant to live. Yeah. I want to be in control of my time so that I can spend it with my kids the way I want to spend it with them. Now, I still like I'll go on a retreat, business conference. I'll be gone for a weekend or even up to a full week. But those are my decisions. They're on my terms. And if I woke up and said, nope, not willing to go, then I wouldn't go and nobody's going to say anything about it. That's the beauty of being your own boss. Right. It's been an experience. But I I definitely wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, I mean, it was an awful situation that there's a part of me that wishes it never happened because it was traumatic, but I know it wouldn't have put me on this path. I wouldn't have been, I would have been jumping from job to job, chasing a higher paycheck because that's, I feel like I, my average, I was at a job for like two to three years and then I would be looking for something with a higher pay rate. Like I was just pursuing a paycheck. I'm so glad that I'm not doing that now. Because now you're connected with your children and you see them on a regular basis. Right. And And I'm connected with my clients. Like that's the other thing. Like I'm not running away from my business because I enjoy what I'm doing and it adapts with me because it's my business. So if my, if my vision or my passion changes, then my business just changes with it. So I may be in a totally different spot in 10 years, but my, my people are going to follow me. Do you consider yourself an intuitive person? You know, I don't. Sounds like you are though. That's, it's interesting because I think many people, because you're listening to yourself. And maybe this might, I feel like this might make me look a little silly, but maybe part of it is just that I haven't really researched what that means. Over the past year and a half is really when I've been building my business and I've encountered a lot of entrepreneurs who are spiritual, who, who call themselves intuitive, among other things. At first, I was totally like, what? These people are crazy. Like they're charging their crystals by the moon. And it was just like, you know, a, a little outside of my, my normalcy. I'm from New York State. We now though live in Phoenix, very close to Sedona, which is like, the woo-woo capital of the world. And so I've started really opening up to more of those concepts. Like I said, I've found, I've met so many super successful business owners, CEOs, founders that are very spiritual. And I'm thinking there's something there, you know, like there is something to it. And so over the past few months, I've really been on this journey of self-discovery and I've been learning a little bit more about like, why do you charge crystals by the moon? Like if all these people are doing it for somebody who doesn't come from that, it just seems crazy. But once you start reading into like the science behind it and it's like, Oh, I, you know, I get it. So I hope I don't offend anybody by my like bluntness with those, (laughs) those thoughts, but, but that's where I came from, like a place of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm open to it and I'm researching it. And I just think I haven't, I don't know. I just think I, maybe I haven't done enough research into, can I call myself intuitive? 
if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because I think we're both on a learning path. I think everybody's always on a learning path, especially when it comes to their spirituality. And that's why it's a spiritual journey, because you're constantly learning new things. And it's all about finding what resonates with you. And to me, the word intuitive is basically somebody who is able to listen to their inner guide. And it sounds to me that you've been doing this, whether you've been aware of it or not, which is awesome because obviously, because I think a lot of people would look at your illness and feel victimized by it, but it doesn't seem that it's done that to you. And I think it did for a while. You know, I think initially it was a lot of, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? What did my kids do to deserve this? because they didn't understand why I didn't come home and why I didn't live with them for almost two weeks while I was in the hospital trying to get this figured out. And they didn't understand why I couldn't pick them up anymore or walk up the stairs. But I think now, and not even like it took me quite this long, but at some point it hit me that it's possible that it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And I think There's just, I've just gotten into the fact that a lot of things that happen, it's just a mindset shift. And it's like, you can change something. I'm going to go off on a tangent, but just last week I was in a car accident. Oh, geez. I was T-boned and our, I knew instantly our car was totaled. It's our only car. I knew instantly it was gone. Like they're never going to be able to repair this. Where were, were you driving or were you in the passenger? I was driving alone, thank okay. God. And I was T-boned by somebody in like a much bigger vehicle than I was in. So like his vehicle had like a little boo-boo and mine was like crunched up like an accordion. Oh my goodness. Did it hit the passenger side? It hit where my seven-year-old would have sat. Would have oh, sat. So it's like the goodness. passenger side, third panel of the van, like far back shattered the window, blew up, all the airbags were puffed out. And it's funny because I could tell a shift happened. The reason I wanted to tell this story was because this happened like last week. And it was like, I came home and I was like, I just can't wait to find out why it happened. Hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. The past two weeks have been crazy. Insurance companies, new cars, car loans. But I'm like, why did it happen? Like what, what did that car, what, what space needed to be cleared in the driveway? You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so you're for, still, and so you're still kind of waiting for the answers, but you trust that they, they will come. And, and me, I also feel like maybe it's here and I just don't see it yet. Like we did buy a new car yesterday and maybe I'll never know. Like maybe the issue was that we had been having some issue, some issues with the car that we couldn't put our finger on. Like it was having issues starting and nobody could find out what was wrong. And maybe, maybe that car accident was because something worse would have happened if we didn't get rid of it. Yeah. We're, we're never going to know. And I almost don't need to know. It would be cool. It would be cool to be like, this was why, but, but I do think I'm like it, Something caused, and there was like a series of events that caused me to be in that spot. Like it wasn't like a normal thing. It was like we were in a monsoon and I, I, our cable went out and I said, well, I'm going to go get a bottle of wine and a movie. And the red box was down at the grocery store. So I had to find another red box. And like, 
there were all these like weird things that led me to that spot at like nine o'clock on a Monday night. It made no sense. So I'm like something, there was a reason this car had to be totaled and I don't know what it was, but there was a reason. And I feel like two years ago, okay with it. And two years ago you would have, I would have lost it. Like I know that. So you found through all these experiences, you've learned to find the inner peace within. It's yeah. Finding the inner peace, figuring out how to, how to shift your thought process. So it's like, and I'm not always perfect. I'm definitely not always perfect. None of us are. (laughs) But like something really terrible happened or there's a lot of anxiety because my credit's not that great. What if we don't get approved for a car? And it's like, no, of course we're going to get approved for a car. Like our car wouldn't have been totaled and then we're not going to be approved for a car. Like that wouldn't happen. Like it's going to work out. Part of it's just that I'm impatient. That like I wanted to work out now. I don't want to wait 24 hours. Like that that was the hardest part is I'm not patient. But mindset wise, I can just tell that things are shifting. And so I'm definitely in a position where I want to continue to explore these concepts because I think that they're good for my health. I think they're good for my outlook on life, on my business, on my kids. Like, like there's something to it. Yes, absolutely. I totally understand what you're saying. Thank you so much, Meg. This was a great conversation. Oh, this was wonderful. Thank you. I hope I didn't jump around too much. No, you didn't at all. No, actually, you're, you're really, you're, you're a good storyteller. Well, thank you. When Meg said that she was starting to see that her illness wasn't happening to her, but rather it was happening for her, that really struck a chord with me because it shows her mindset shift and that a mindset based on faith and trust that the universe does indeed have her back really does have a profound impact on our lives, mostly because it gives meaning to the crappy things that happen to us. There's a lesson in every obstacle. Perhaps it's to provide the contrast so we can wake up and see what we're missing or what we need to do or what we really desire. And then we can take action on those things and really create what we want in our lives. Thanks again for being here with me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then pop open your podcast app and write a quick review or leave a rating. This is so helpful. Enlightened love. I'll see you next week.